Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, an Oscar race checkpoint, kind of. Uh, it's an interesting look at WB, and all I can say, I'm co-host Mike One, and talking to my dear co-host also Mike here, all I can say is thank God the entertainment industry waits for me and doesn't like rapidly change every day and, and make headlines passe <laughs> a couple minutes after they come out, so I could take over a week to put this godforsaken episode together, huh, Mike? Look, the uh, entertainment industry has weirdly kind of timed up for you here though because like it's we've true. gotten we've gotten a bow at least we think on the Ezra Miller situation mm-hmm. we've gotten like this positive movement on Batgirl the hashtag release Batgirl movement that just happened yesterday that kind of started to galvanize the fans and we've gotten like all of the people have you know weighed in on this mm-hmm. so you can do what you love to do and pundit the hell out of this and go <laughs> over the top of all of them and kind of just you know reign supreme in our mm. deep dive on this <laughs> WTFWB situation now i don't know what you're going to call this but i do want to give shout outs to our friends at swell entertainment amanda yes. And the Minorities Report Film Absolutely. Podcast and Midnight Movie Talk with Eric yes. Weber. You know, they've all weighed on it, weighed in on this, and we're certainly going to reference and we're certainly going to build on what they've said in many cases. We've been consuming it all. And really, the shout-out goes to you here because you composed this monster of... I think we have a solid 18 and a half pages of copy <laughs> just for you and me today. Yeah, it's... uh. I lost myself a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> it got a little out of hand. It got a little away from me, and that's why I'm not generally in charge of any episodes because we would have one episode every three weeks, and it would be incoherent. So That's uh, right. Yeah. We play our roles here at Mike, Mike, <laughs> right. and Oscar. Right. Two roles. Right. So, so uh, we're doing all things WB, WTF, WB. We're going to comment on the shareholders meeting. We're going to comment a little bit on their showing at San Diego Comic-Con from a couple weeks ago. We're going to comment on what we think is going on within those hallowed halls and what we think the mindset is and read the tea leaves and the quotes and kind of put it all together to put a picture as to what exactly the future of Warner Brothers, the future of DC, the DCEU 2.0, all that stuff, what it is. So let's uh, not waste any more time here and talk about a bit of a timeline. Let's talk about some major Warner Brothers events that have happened since David Zasloff has taken over as the CEO of this major conglomerate. Warner Brothers Discovery is the name of the company, WBD for shorthand. So mm-hmm. in April, CNN Plus, uh, it was launched and then it was canceled quickly. It was canceled <laughs> a month after its launch. It was its own home, its own streaming service uh, spinoff of the obviously CNN News Network. This was a precursor of things to come and... Therefore, it wasn't something we really studied much or read into at the time. Uh, this we past April, we should have. You're absolutely right. This past <laughs> April, after much promotion and creative research and development was poured into CNN streaming service, David Zasloff gave the entire property the axe. A little more than a month after it went live, the streamer cost their reported three hundred million dollars for its thirty-two day long lifespan, and it accrued about ten thousand viewers a day, according to Quartz. 
So you wanted to pay more attention to this. Credit to you, because you did want to pay more attention to this back in April. But I kind of went away from it because I'm like, wait, CNN Plus, that's like the stuff that they eventually make documentaries and movies about like two years later. It's not movie related. Yeah, it's It's not not directly movie related. Yeah. And I was like, I don't really get what this means, but you kind of called it. This was a major red flag because he walked away in the fine print. Not really that fine, but he walked away from a huge $300 million investment in CNN Plus. And there were stories at the time as to why, like maybe there was some pettiness attached to this. Is this like akin to what the uh, the Disney new Disney CEO, uh, Bob Chapek, was doing with his board there and kind of removing a longtime uh, executive from the company who he felt threatened by? There were like some similarities to that. But regardless of the actual reason, and, and like we said already, this was kind of foreboding. It was kind of a, a harbinger of things to come. And mm-hmm. the next shoe to drop happened recently and it was batgirl batgirl was shelved in perpetuity quote for a tax write-off question mark end quote uh all right so cnn plus was axed that's what could have been expected the real fun with zasloff and his imprint on wb and dc here started in earnest as the calendar flipped to august in the days between what was considered by most to be a lackluster showing at san diego comic-con on wb's part and the first shareholders meeting where zaslav would unveil his master plan for the newly minted wbd the axe fell on the first major move of the zaslav era outside of the cnn plus axing which was the shelving of the already finished batgirl movie now Everybody knows the reasons why at this point, or at least what's been speculated as to the reason why. And the the answer was leaked almost immediately upon the axing and the announcement that Batgirl wouldn't be shown. There was this time frame because of the combining of WB and Discovery. There was this time frame which content could be written down for tax purposes such that their budgets would not be assessed against the company at fiscal year end. Hmm. That's the quoted or assumed or reported reason why Batgirl was shelved and what did WBD save on shelving Batgirl well it depends on who you believe they either saved anywhere from 20 million to the full 90 million dollar production budget but it doesn't matter how much they save necessarily what matters is the only way Zaslav and company get these savings is if Batgirl never sees the light of day and can never be monetized that's important shout out to ign uh for covering the hell out of this as well as kevin smith building on what he talked about uh but yeah the counter right now just and this is part of the overall announcement that we're going to spend the rest of the episode explaining to you guys and giving our own uh opinions on but obviously the batgirl news was the headline from this host of cuts they're basically cutting their losses on a lot of properties that they don't think will make money for them because at this time, in this particular scenario, they can write them off as losses and get tax breaks on them, apparently. Now, obviously, the people who have covered this, and Mike, you're going to get into it, they don't believe these reasons. And for obvious financial points, the sense that I get is if they release these movies in theaters they could make back enough money to cut into their losses. Sure. Never mind cut their losses. We've seen Disney do this a hundred times, and especially of late with the last few X-Men properties, the New Mutants, you know, Dark Phoenix, etc. They've cut into their losses just by releasing those. And hell, we've seen Warner Brothers release a bunch of fat turds in the the last hundred years, (laughs) and especially in the DC brand. I won't remind you guys of all of them, but they've... Even with the big budgets, they've all made over $100 million in one way or another. So, again, Kevin Smith, these guys are right at IGN, and you're certainly right. 
to be skeptical of the tax write-off reason for the Batgirl shelving. Yeah, that IGN video really laid out a beautiful plan, and it was, I mean, the, the sense I got from it is that it's, there's very, very, I mean, unless the movie's going to make literally hundreds of dollars when you release it in theaters, releasing a movie in theaters is almost guaranteed to help you some if right. you have it finished, you know what I mean? It's going to help protect you against losses rather than just not releasing it ever at all. I know it's a tough business, but Vegas doesn't build the big casinos for no reason. And mm. movie studios don't make the expensive movies for no reason. They make it. They make them so that they can make a lot of money on them. Right. Let's be honest. Right. I mean, so again, the only rate, the only way WB does get that tax write off, and again, we're going to talk about, like Mike said, whether or not that's actually privy or important to WB. But regardless. Batgirl can't see the light of day, so don't expect to like torrent Batgirl at some point in the future unless somebody knows a janitor that has access to the WBD vaults on an overnight shift, you know? <laughs> so you're a lawyer, so I have to ask you all legal questions at all times <laughs> because <laughs> all lawyers know all legal questions, uh, you know, all they know all the law, correct? Right, I mean, right. well, that's, that's no... how the industry keeps going is by people believing that. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> so if said janitor or mm -hmm. casual fan, were to get too hyped up and steal the copy and release it, what would happen to that person? Would they be sued out of David existence? David Zaslav would kill them. <laughs> no, so, I yeah, don't it's, do a, it's an interesting question because the, the tax break comes off of not monetizing the property, right? Okay. So if somebody steals the cut of Batgirl and puts it online to be torrented, if WB doesn't see a dime of it, theoretically, I don't think anything would happen to them, but... I mean, those are also laws that were written prior to this new age, you know, internet age that we live in. So it'd be an interesting case. So what I'm saying is if you're a janitor in the building, steal the cut. Yeah. So essentially Batgirl <laughs> has to be released like for the public. But you yeah. can't really. Can you can you even do that and then lose out on copyright law or something? No, right? I mean, WB would be able to go after whoever does it if they. But WB can't release it to the masses. Right, for no right. Reason. WB can't release it. I mean, unless, I guess they could put it on, like, no, they can't even put it on YouTube because they obviously get some uh, money from the YouTube uh, channel, I would think. So, right. yeah, there's no way in which WB would be able to put this out, I don't think. So, janitors, it's it's on you or it's never seen the light of day. <laughs> right. So, obviously, we're living in this uh, hashtag release Batgirl world, and this wave came off. The entertainment industry did not take the Batgirl news and continues to not take the Batgirl shelving news well. All sorts of big names have come out and made their disappointment in WB known. Mike's already cited Kevin Smith. There's been, uh, I think, Taika Waititi uh, made a shout out. There was a bunch of people on Twitter that were not uh, happy with this decision and the outrage wasn't just for the sake of those who spent countless hours working on the film in any capacity, but also because of what Batgirl was poised to mean for DC. Aaron Couch explained this in The Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, we have Batgirl was also seen as a win for representation, with Leslie Grace being the first Latina to front a DC Extended Universe film. Transgender act actress Ivory Aquino playing a supporting role, and Adil and Bilal bringing their unique background as Muslim, Belgian-Moroccan filmmakers, plus Michael Keaton was back as Batman. <laughs> so people didn't want to see Michael Keaton again for yeah. us? Two white people getting jerked around by, uh, you know, I mean, the, the representation stuff obviously is far more important than Michael Keaton in his return as Batman. But, I mean, Michael Keaton's Batman and Bruce Wayne is supposed to be back in all these properties and he's kind of getting jerked around here as well. No, this is a huge blow to 
communities that have seen a lot of lip service in the past basically all right we're gonna we're gonna you know right. we're gonna give somebody the diversity and representation and inclusion ceo headline right that's their title that's their headline they're gonna do all this good work for you on behalf of everything and you're gonna go through a list of properties that wb has shelled or just halted in development and they're the non-white guy properties yeah yeah. They're the non-white guy properties, and everybody should be absolutely dismayed and demanding that things be replaced in terms of the audience because they are not serving the uh, the global audience it's a great at all. Point. Right it's now. a it's a great point, and they talked. They did talk in their uh, shareholders meeting about they didn't focus on the international markets as much as I would have expected a you know global entity like WB to have done. But yeah, it's that's that's a great call by you. This is not something that should please a lot of people. All these properties that are being shelved in total but we're going to get there now, right now? Uh, yeah. zaz the butcher is what he's been known and uh matt bellany has has kind of coined that through texts he's received and in industry talk he's talked about and in, in his uh, newsletter there but batgirl is not the only casualty of the zaz the butcher er- era here uh, alex weprin reported for the hollywood reporter that since the wbd merger zaslov has taken a write down in the amount of 825 million dollars so far which includes 496 million in cut content and 329 million in content cut content development now that number does include big cuts to warner brothers tv side including shows on tbs and tnt and the aforementioned CNN plus death blow that's already happened, but for the sake of its film division and previously confirmed DC shows for HBO Max, the cancellations are mounting up. So this is not confirmed necessarily by DC or WB yet, but based on rumors and hearsay and reporting and journalism, here's kind of the list of previously confirmed DC properties that presumably have been sent to the big extended universe in the sky. Mm. The already casted Wonder Twins movie. The Green Lantern Corpse movie, the Static Shock movie, Scoob, Holiday Haunt movie, not a DC property, but still something that's already in the can, reportedly. A black Superman film produced by J.J. Abrams and written by Tanishi Coates. A Strange Adventures anthology miniseries that was expected to have a price tag up to $20 million per episode that Kevin Smith talked about in that uh, famous YouTube clip now that I put online. On, you can find on at MM and Oscar uh, on our Twitter handle there. So, I mean, the optics of this are absolutely horrible, which is probably why they buried it in a quarterly call and, and certainly allowed the rumors to spread before the stock market could react. Because, again, it's all the non-white guy stuff that's getting, getting shelved. It's just absurd mm-hmm. that pe- more people are not calling this out. This is, like, blatant. And it's not like they're, they're replacing all of these properties with with other films and other opportunities for younger filmmakers. It's just it's just I mean they're they're basically circling the wagons around a, a, a few you know white male centric properties or white centric properties and they're they're going to bat with those. I mean it's just it's really alarming especially uh when you take the birds eye view. You make a good point and it's it's not something that's been honed in on. I haven't heard a lot of discussion about. And Zaslav himself has called it a reset for DC. And we're going to get into you know exactly what kind of he doesn't like streaming is is the theory and the like the the mainline hypothesis that I'm going on. He I mean it's not that he necessarily doesn't like it, but he doesn't see streaming as the future for the Warner Brothers company. I, 
Does that excuse what he's doing and cutting all these non-white properties? Absolutely not. I mean, there's there's something maybe going on underneath the surface there, and it needs certainly deserves more of a spotlight and more people talking about it. You're absolutely right. Um, but a reset is how Zaslav has referred to the shuffling around of the DC content, a, a plan which he revealed so much more of nothing about, uh, which we'll cover when we talk about that August 4th shareholders meeting coming up in a little bit. But for now, let's run through the previously confirmed DC properties that actually seem like they might see or will see the light of day here. And as far as uh, something that was announced alongside Batgirl, originally Blue Beetle was originally filmed as an HBO Max film, but it has a release date listed online of August 18th, 2023, after having been designated as a theatrical exclusive by WB. But even the Blue Beetle director, Angel Manuel Soto, is seemingly unsure totally of the film's fate since it was announced, like I said, alongside Batgirl. And he was on Twitter, I think, saying some things, if I remember right. Don't quote me on that. It's off the top of my head with all the research I did. But according to The Hollywood Reporter, insiders are operating under the impression that this movie will be released. I'm glad to hear that one, and I'll make an exception to my comments with that uh, property blue beetle uh but we do want to get into the big story of the you wonder flash too I, I don't i'm meaning to cut you off but you wonder too with the point you're making if, if they're if that's zaslov cya there like oh see we're still doing right by yeah here's a one here's, yeah, a, exactly. here's a bone exactly asshole sorry i, I mean i just called him an <laughs> asshole but I, i'm not sorry sorry not sorry asshole all right the flash we basically have a, a litany of news on Ezra Miller, and we got we got a nice ending. We hope to it, but I think it does it does matter that we go through this here because this is a two hundred million dollar property in the Flash, and I believe it's the Flashpoint paradox that's being adapted uh, for comic book heads. There, um, I watched one animated film, and I think I can just mention and reference uh, the things that <laughs> I'm you know in much the DC more than me universe about. now. <laughs> I I know exactly what we're doing, mm-hmm. but look at I mean. They talked about three options heading into today's story about Ezra Miller. I mean, if if they seek professional help, they'd love for them to have an interview and to explain their behavior and then do limited press. Uh, If Miller refused help, uh, they won't be included in any press, but the film will still be released as scheduled. Miller will then be recast in all future Flash projects. And then the third option, and they mentioned this, was shelving the Flash and that was not off the table, which was surprising. It's kind of crazy, right? Considering <laughs> how much, how willingly he, Zaslav has been to shelve everything else that Ezra Miller has been doing what they've been doing. And it's not a, a dead film yet. And the film still currently does have a slated June 23rd, 2023 release date. But there is plenty of controversy that surrounds the problematic Ezra Miller there, not least of which are the felony burglary charges just brought against them on August 8th. Yeah, so the timeline of his legal troubles, uh, Consequence.net did a nice listing, but there's a choking video in April of 2020. You're not sure if it's real or fake. It kind of looks real. Where he there's a fan and he and he he doesn't look like he's playfully choking her, but she looks like she's playfully getting choked. And then like people are coming to the rescue because he takes her down to the floor uh, in a department Jesus store or something Christ. weird. January 2022. He threatens the KKK, seemingly unprovoked, and that's okay. a little unstable. <laughs> All right, but fine. I mean, it, right. it's a little, right. little weird. Yeah. Uh, in February of 2022, a German woman has since claimed that Miller harassed her back then. A karaoke fight uh, happens in Hawaii in March of 2022, where they're arrested. Uh, and then in 
in, in April, a month later, they're arrested again uh, after he throws a chair at a woman in this particular fight at karaoke bar. How do you get in a fight at karaoke bar? All right, but he, <laughs> but they do. Uh, protective orders were filed. I this wanted to sing story. the outfield. I wanted to sing the outfield. Oh, my God. I mean, the happiest place in the world where <laughs> nobody should fight karaoke bars, I would think. But our, anyway, June of 2022... This was the big story that kind of got covered the last few weeks. Protective orders were filed by the Iron Eyes family, and we also had orders filed by the uh, parents of another 12-year-old kid. Uh, we have the parents of Gibson Iron Eyes, formerly Takata. The father ran for Congress. This is an upstanding family. They they believe that uh, there was accusations of grooming. Oof. Uh, because she's an activist that Ezra Miller came into contact with when she was very young and he was in his early 20s and uh, accusations of grooming and manipulation against Miller there. It sounds like somebody who is in need of help, Ezra Miller, and not somebody who should be promoted as uh, touted as the lead of a a super, certainly not a lead of a, a DC property. Right. And the only comment that David Zaslav has made on the record about The Flash and about Ezra Miller or about anything like that is that he's seen the movie and he's excited about it. Well, okay, there may need to be more something to, to, to help this person who seems to be crying for help in a lot of ways and has all these allegations. You know, it's a, it's a where there's smoke, there's fire type of situation at this point. Like, yeah, there are yeah. allegations, but there's a lot of them and they're varying in various degrees. What's certainly scary to us is all the stuff that's coming out about child endangerment. Yes. I mean, there's a protective uh, order granted after Millen, Miller uh, apparently threatened a woman with a gun. Ugh. There's a woman that took her three children, ages one to five, from Hawaii in April and went to live with Miller, apparently, at his commune in Vermont. Now, the father was rumored to be abusive in this situation. Miller was rumored to be assisting the mother in this situation. But then he helped the mother evade child services again that, you know, it's just this is a that's a very messy one. I don't know what to think about that. But there's also reports that he was like a cult leader in August of 2022, calling back to his days in Iceland in 2020. If we're getting date confused here, where there's rumors of all kinds of drug abuse. And finally, Michael, in August, you have that felony burglary arrest now. The big news of the last few days was that Ezra Miller is seeking treatment. So Yeah, this is news to me too, so I'm curious to hear about this, his quote on this. So basically this falls under, you know, the the first, you know, plan plan A, I would hope, mm-hmm. for WB and for the Ezra Miller camp. If they seek professional help, they'd love for them to have an interview at the end of the day to explain the behavior and do some limited press at the end of the day for the release of this film. And we have a quote from Miller, or Miller's camp. No, this is from Miller. Having recently gone through a time of intense crisis, I now understand that I am suffering complex mental health issues and have begun ongoing treatment, Miller says. Quote, uh, I want to apologize to everyone that I have alarmed and upset with my past behavior. I am committed to doing the necessary work to to get back to a healthy, safe, and productive stage in my life, unquote. So that's a positive. Uh, This is a very complex issue, too. Yes, the child endangerment stuff and the the grooming stuff, it's all, those are gross allegations. But there seem to be more complex and layered allegations along the you know, threatening the KKK 
<laughs> you know, you know, violence is, is not the answer, but on its face, not necessarily. Look at Black Klansmen. We just celebrated a, a entity like that because of the their treatment of the KKK. You know, like there's there's so many issues that lead up to certain things like this, and it's it's tough to say. But it seems like I said the majority of these allegations are things that he's doing that are wrong and legally, I mean, not legal, illegal. And a person who does those things on and on, yeah, sometimes they're a cry for help. I hope this is going to get him the help that, that they need. I really hope so. I hope I hope there's smoke to these allegations, but not real fire. Mm. That, that, that would be another hope, because if, if he's... If he's actually, manip- you know, if he's grooming children, that's inexcusable, and uh, you know, for whatever reasons, just to for rampant drug use and for all this stuff. I mean, that it sounds like drug behavior in a, in a way mm-hmm. based on kind of just some on the periphery here, but who knows? I it, like like you say, the room when rumors like that come out, all this erratic behavior seems like there's drugs involved. But what the hell do we know? All it it, it is not a good thing for the Flash coming out. Obviously, next spring. And The Flash, like I said, does still have uh, that release date of next year. It is still on WB's release schedule. Uh, just a disclaimer, Ezra Miller's pronouns are they, them. Mike and I, have we're doing our best to abide by those. If we slipped up, I, I our deepest apologies. We're trying. We're, we're definitely doing our best here. I know we might have slipped up a couple times there, but uh, that's, you know, that's that. on us. Um, but The Flash is still on the release date. Also still on the release date, two films that seemingly have a better chance, at least right now, than The Flash of premiering in theaters for WB and DC, but are both intertwined and related to The Flash in a certain way, are Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which is scheduled right now for a December release of this year, and Aquaman 2, which is currently on the schedule for next March, March 17th, 2023. Both films are definitely going to be released, but rumors persist that Warners may move each to keep Shazam! away from having to compete with Avatar 2 this December at the box office. And if those films are moved, they would be moved to March and June of 2023. And Ezra Miller's The Flash movie, which is in June of 2023, would be pushed back to late 2023, should that happen. That would make sense for some recovery time for them. But mm-hmm. I wonder if it could backfire, obviously, if it, if it doesn't go well. Or if it'll, yeah, or if it'll be there at all by the time they do move it. Yeah, there's a lot of questions obviously wrapped up in everything having to do with The Flash right now. As for Black Adam, Mike, I think The Rock's going to win. Yeah, something that doesn't seem to have a lot of questions is that Black Adam is going to debut in theaters. Black Adam seems safe. It's already been heavily marketed and promoted by WBD. It's slated for an October release of this year. Zaslav has seen a cut of it. He's spoken highly and excitedly about it. So Black Adam, The Rock, again, one of the most protected entities in Hollywood. You could probably set your watch by that seeing the light of day. Yeah, we got uh, Joker 2 as well here with Gaga, a uh, you know, the a first movie that made over a billion dollars, 1.074. Yeah. And Michael, this movie's going to be released unless Yeah, well, unless Joaquin Phoenix actually finds and shoots the actual Robert De Niro between the eyes, I think this movie's pretty <laughs> as safe a bet as any. If you had to be sure that WB was releasing at least one of these movies, are you more confident in Joker 2 or Black Adam? Well, Black Adam, if I really had to bet my life, yeah, Black Adam. Same Because Joker 2 hasn't done, right. a, done a, a smidge of filming yet. But, yeah. yeah, I think they're both getting released. They and, should bring and back look at it, if they release, just to shoot him. 
Yeah, if they released uh, the movie after that happened, I think it would make $2 billion, <laughs> knowing our world, our terrible, terrible world. That would be awful. You're right. Awful, yeah. awful. Uh, if we don't laugh. We're we'll spiraling cry. down. Yeah. We're spiraling right now. Uh, <laughs> another confirmed DC property that seems to be getting the go forward is Peacemaker Season 2. That'll be on HBO? Question mark. James Gunn reportedly was reassuring fans on social media that that project is safe. So I'm wondering if they're scaling this back as as a, just a straight-up HBO or if this is going to still be like an HBO Max original and they're just going to totally reboot all the HBO Max originals around the F-Boy Island cinematic universe <laughs> and Peacemaker. I don't know. <laughs> so look, HBO Max, according to Zaslav, is HBO. That's what I gained from this. It's just, it's just premium TV. Right. So the HBO Max stuff is not working. That that was supposed to supplant all the you know WB theatrical mm-hmm. stuff that was releasing day and date, and we're gonna go over it. But it did not work. Right. But all of this is to say that with these properties confirmed to come out, the notion that Batgirl was shelved strictly to aid in the reboot of this DCEU 2.0, we already cast skepticism on its being shelved strictly for tax purposes. There's another. A line of thinking that says, well, this is a reset that Zaslav said. So now he wants to he wants to reset. Zaslav doesn't fit his new vision of the DCEU that he wants to do. Well, that doesn't make sense either. And it's probably untrue unless you believe that the DCEU can somehow be a place where the worlds of both Aquaman, multiple Bruce Waynes and Joaquin's 1970s Joker all exist in harmony. So I got conflicting theories on this okay. and I didn't write them down. I'm sorry. I did the research, but I didn't write them down. Theory number one Multiverse. is that... No, I think... Okay. I mean, he just... Didn't they just cancel Lois, Superman and Lois, which was a $95 million property on the CW, right? Mm-hmm. And didn't they just cancel The Flash on CW? I do wonder if they're shelving and, cl- and closing and finishing a lot of their DC... TV stuff, and they just want to go big with DC, and that's it. So does Batgirl fall into that category? What do you mean by go big? They don't want to dilute the property. They don't want to dilute the brand anymore. They want Superman to be in... They only want movies of it, I guess is what I'm saying. So Batgirl, they want to be a theatrical movie later on, and they don't want to continue to dilute the brand by having, you know cable TV series of DC and and that's my theory but I don't know if that's gonna gonna transpire what I do know is that Batgirl I think everybody knows this was supposed to be a part of the cold Harley Quinn birds of prey with uh, Margot Robbie that mm. was supposed to expand to a few films and some of that was happening on HBO Max but now that birds of prey storyline is kind of getting halted and it was kind of with that harley quinn it would seem presumably anyway but yeah yeah i mean she's going the barbie route you have a new harley quinn coming in here with lady gaga presumably yep presumably well i think i mean it's confirmed that she's coming well, she's in, she's in but it, I, again have you seen that she's confirmed to play harley quinn yeah i think she, you I, have I, seen that well i, I, I haven't mean, seen it confirmed is all is the only reason i put that caveat in there i think she's playing harley quinn i would I think, think so it's too. safe to say okay. so if if that's happening, which I think it is, then yeah, they're they're gonna try and get on the same page. Now, how the hell do you do that with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker and 
you know, The Rock's Black Adam, like where you've seen Michael to have... Keaton's Bruce Wayne. We saw the the Ben Affleck Bruce Wayne is being brought back for Aquaman 2, which was supposed to be this big cover-up surprise that a tour guide <laughs> blew the lid yeah. off of on the WB lot, which was kind of funny. You still got two very distinct universes here. You got the Absolutely. HBO, you got the uh, DC Dark with like, I mean, I know that's not DC Dark, I'm sorry, but you got the, the gritty real and you got the cartoonishly fun blockbuster right. stuff. And Very I don't different. know how you meld those two. And if you want to, another of the big talking points this week was that, well, we want DC to be like Marvel. We have this 10-year plan. We're going to talk touch on that in a little bit. So they want to have one comprehensive film universe. You can't do that by coalescing all these different pro- It doesn't work. And then what? what's the right way to go about that? So you, you have these films already booked out until the end of 2023, apparently. So you're just going to do a hard reset at the start of 2024 and say none of that stuff mattered. Now we're on to the new stuff. I don't know. Because again, I I like you're saying they're going to coalesce, but I don't see how they can. I don't I either. Just, that's that's, that's I what I'm saying. Going, I don't get it. I think they're going to continue the extended universe under Aquaman, Shazam, and Black Adam, Wonder Woman, and then they're going to ex- they're going to go kind of DC dark, but they're not going to call it DC dark with the Joker, Batman stuff. So you and think I, they're going to prolong those two universes beyond the the films that we already know are scheduled to be released? If I was them, that what that's what I would do. If I was them, because I think there's big fandom for the extended side, where these movies are more fun. They're not dark and gritty and realistic and i yeah i would have battinson fighting uh joaquin phoenix at some point that's what i would guess but i don't think they're gonna do that either so i don't know what they're gonna do with the batman and joker but uh i, I let's say it's a how great many question. different bruce no waynes are we sitting on right now in dc properties batfleck keaton kid bruce wayne from the joker any others bat battinson just strictly in movies in dc movies four did you, or three? Pattinson. Did we just, yeah. yeah. Four. Pattinson. Four. Who's the fourth again? I'm, I'm so it's, it, we have Pattinson, Batfleck, mm-hmm. Keaton, and the kid who was introduced in the Joker movie. Oh, you're counting him as a fourth. But well, what he's, if he's, he exists. He's oh, Bruce. yeah, he has to be. He has to be. All right. All right. So they can't combine. They can't combine Pattinson and the kid. Unless they want to do, like, just copy Marvel and do a multiverse thing, which I know is, is a story within the DC comics. They have their own multiverse type of uh, storyline. So but <laughs> what if, or, <laughs> or what if Joaquin Phoenix is put in a fat suit and he's fat Joker, what old if, fat Joker. What if they just insert Joaquin into all these properties and his job is just to hunt down <laughs> Robert De Niro in every movie. <laughs> the Zazzy beats have a cell phone. <laughs> In Joker 1. Can we reasonably assume that that's 1990 and we could jump ahead then? And then... And then Joaquin walks in on the set of Goodfellas or Casino. He wants to find that Robert De Niro. This is my extended universe that I want. (laughs) Robert De Niro will be de-aged by the team that brought you... Phoenix hunting Robert De Niro in all of his movies. (laughs) 
You're uh, so confused because that's happening after. He's just oh, so there's multiple Robert De Niro's, just like there's multiple Batman. Correct. You don't even care about the right. Batman anymore. <laughs> no, I'm all off right. Batman. Screw Batman. <laughs> all right, we got to talk about HBO Max. Good guy. Yeah. All right. So another part of uh, what what Zaslav has commented on and brought up at the shareholders meeting. I've lost it. I, I apologize to everyone listening who's made it this far. This this episode broke me. But another thing that Zaslav has commented on is that HBO Max will be retooled. Uh, it's going to be combined with Discovery Plus. But mm-hmm. what does that mean? What does combined mean? Content is already being cut, which we've talked about. Layoffs for WBD are expected to be heavy and almost exclusively on the HBO entertainment streaming side of the newly formed company, which is a practice that actually already began on the 15th as HBO let roughly 14% of their staff go. And yet, mm-hmm. in the latest blow to how Zaslav seemingly sees the importance of HBO Max... Multiple outlets reported on the 8th of August that new WB movies are no longer guaranteed to stream on HBO Max after their 45-day theatrical window. So this is a horrible development for HBO. What's the point of HBO Max? Well, by the way, think about what happened with the HBO properties. Like, the HBO brand has been holding up HBO Max for a while because the HBO Max originals... Some of them have been good, but most of them have not. I mean, we're going to talk about it. Do we put all the blame on Steven Soderbergh? (laughs) (laughs) No, look, I mean, we have HBO essentially doubling their viewership. Like, people that could watch HBO. It used to be 35 million tops cable-wise. Now it's like 80 to 95, whatever it is Mm -hmm. they're now at. And they've almost tripled it, right? So it's two and a half times, basically, HBO is exposed, and what's their reward for exposing their or expanding their audience? I keep using the wrong words deliberately, the, the worst words for this. But look at <laughs> what's their reward? Fourteen percent of their staff is axed. That's terrible. So isn't that a terrible development? It's a necessary. Like he he did soften the blows Zaslav did. Uh, in I think this was in interviews. I don't think it was at the shareholders meeting, but he said, you know, we're combining companies and we have a lot of duplicate jobs. You know, we have. We have the engineers working in this specific space on one side of the company. Well, we have people with the same job and the same title. The unfortunate reality is we don't need to. I understand that part of it. What I don't understand is you're you're cutting everything from HBO. You're not cutting from Discovery. A lot of the cuts have come from HBO and will continue to come from HBO. You would think Discovery and HBO... You would want to bulk them up yes. and do more with them, like what Disney Plus And he Plus speaks out of both sides of his mouth. He's like, we're going to pour all kinds of resources into HBO Max. Okay. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, let's get back to the theatrical model window thing here, because the traditional model returns, essentially, Michael, where we're going to have in theaters, then sold PVOD. Licensed or, out, baby. Yeah. I mean, basically, we're going to have it. Whatever the, the max amount, that middle window, we're going to maximize it. And then that third window, you know, pick your, your landing spot. Premium television slash, you know, the HBO Max, streaming, whatever. They're going to make decisions and try and, you know, go back to the old way of doing things pre-pandemic, I would say. So you had a year plus of HBO Max being... Now, look, the fun times at HBO Max weren't going to last. We knew that. I mean, Warners released all their new movies last year on HBO Max. That was a pandemic thing. They said in advance that was going to be a one-year trial thing anyway. But you have all these new HBO Max properties that go direct. We have these movies that were made specifically for HBO Max. You're taking all of that away now. And I've long said on this program, 
once you give someone something, taking that away, especially from your customers, that, I mean, has that ever worked in business? It's a bad, it's a, yeah, it's a, it has bad precedents. It really doesn't work. So what they gave was that full year's worth of Warner theatrical film slate material from Wonder Woman 1984 through Dune, through King Richard. It was all day and date. Obviously, that took away from the box office earnings. We knew that back then. But how much did it take away from Godzilla versus Kong when the pandemic was raging and people weren't back in theaters yet? I mean, we made arguments on both sides. We understood it. Now, I think they got egg on their face after Top Gun Maverick has been changing the industry back to the mm-hmm. to good old days b- because basically they waited on that they didn't they could have released it they didn't over at Paramount they held it and they reaped the benefits so subscriber growth grew like we said 30 something million during the day and date release period time yeah, well, this here- worked. We covered the, the hell out of this. This worked for them in terms of pure subs and making their money wherever they had to make back and salvaged what was probably a horrible year. But they once they stopped doing that, Michael, you're going to have all new numbers to why it hasn't worked since based on the HBO Max originals kind of driving the service. Here are the numbers of the subscribers for both HBO Max and Discovery Plus, at least the latest ones that were available. And it's not just from people who are still subscribed to cable who had HBO, who get HBO Max for free, and, and or whatever the thing may be that we've talked about previously as to why those HBO Max subs might be a little inflated. HBO Max subscribers had 73.8 global subs as of end of year 2021. 11 million new subs alone were added in 2021 to HBO Max. Discovery Plus mm-hmm. subscribers... There was about 12 million at the end of Q1 2021. And then as of the shareholders meeting, Warner Brothers Discovery Plus or HBO Max Discovery Plus, those total subs numbered 92.1 million in mass. So in total, there's over 92 million subs to HBO Max and Discovery Plus right now. The question you got to ask, seeing those numbers, is Zaslav sacrificing the satisfaction of 80% of his new subscriber base in order to run his operation in the same way that garnered him an at most 20 million subscriber base in Discovery Plus? Because he's not he wasn't a guy who started at Warner's. He was the CEO of Discovery, who now has integrated HBO into this. He built Discovery Plus, to his credit, to a number at least 12 million strong. But it, it can't be, based on the math... The number of Discovery Plus subscribers can't be more than 20 million right now, which is about a quarter of what HBO had. Right. And I think he's playing it safe in a way with the HBO Max situation. And I understand that, especially in times where they're coming off the merger that just became official, where they had to pay or they had to promise 43 billion that goes from them to AT&T they're still partnering up with AT&T I don't know the details of that financial deal yeah, but just to yeah just for the merger to happen money has to go back to AT&T now is this through continued earnings and whatever they're in bed together for a while or what I don't know but HBO Max wanted to play with the big boys and and in streaming 
and look at the Disney Plus subscriber numbers. Even though I get it, some of them are fake, some of them are cheap, some of them are freebies. I get it. But the the eyes watching Disney Plus content, they have a $152 million subscriber base. And that's not with the 70-ish million plus of Hulu ESPN additional subscribers that they touted was more than Netflix, which is not really because everything's bundled. And that that aggravated me. I'm sure it aggravated our friend Andrew. Mm. But we saw essentially, again, we saw 30 million, 30-ish million added from regular HBO to HBO Max post day and date, and we only saw 11 million additional subscribers added since, again, when we were tallying what what the uh, theatrical thing did for HBO Max. So essentially, they they could not gain at the at the rate they were spending because we knew they were spending big at HBO Max. That was the whole thing. They wanted to spend big and get get with Netflix, get with Disney Plus. Well. It backfired in a major way trying to get their original stuff off the ground. And even though you got a lot of good stuff, I mean, Station Eleven through a lot of those Emmy noms, I mean, you got a lot of stuff at HBO Max that got nominated at the Emmys, etc. But it just it didn't it didn't drive new subscribers the same way that continuous, steady new content from Marvel and from Star Wars has driven the Disney Plus numbers too. And that's got to be what Zaslav's focus is, what you just said. Like, look, we, I'm taking over this business that's already spent uh, 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 probably at least a billion plus yeah. on streaming to try and compete, and we can't compete. So let's yeah. go to where the money is. Let's license our stuff. Let's, you know, g- make stuff mm-hmm. to, to sell it. Let's put stuff in theaters and reap those benefits. Let's slow down with the streaming stuff. I think what Mike and I are advocating for is a middle ground. It seems like he's kind of punting streaming altogether. Well, he's definitely punting their plan as of now. So the big thing I have, the big thesis statement, is this what he knows his shareholders want. Do his shareholders want this new plan? And he's preaching to the choir. Because that's typically what you want to do to your current shareholders and obviously prospective shareholders because your stock price has dropped. And essentially what you want to have happen after a quarterly call is you want to tout confidence in your new plans so that more people buy your stock and and raise your value. Boy, did he tout confidence in this quarterly call. (laughs) That's one yes. thing I can say definitively David Zasloff did in the shareholders meeting. I think another, I mean, that's a good question. Another question you want to ask is, have you heard of anyone who's upset with HBO Max as an app? I don't, I don't think so. No, I don't I mean, know I have, I, I haven't like either. It. And he, he seemed to say that functionality and usage of HBO Max had a bunch of consumer complaints and user complaints. And so the other question that you want to ask is, with the melding of these two companies, what is this new streaming app going to look like? I mean, if you don't, if, if Discovery, I don't have any experience with Discovery Plus, but apparently it has great uh, reviews. So my guess is it's going to look like Discovery Plus then, right? Well, that's kind, be... of, that's kind <laughs> yeah. of what he hinted at, except, you know, uh, Zaslav repeated numerous times, more regarding the rollout for the new HBO Max Discovery Plus hybrid streaming app. That'll be revealed on Investor's Day, which takes place at the end of the year. Because of that, concrete details about the hybrid streamer were otherwise only given business ease talk. And, like, if you took a shot every time somebody said 
the word synergy when talking about WBD at the shareholders meeting. Not only would you, but your future three generations of family members would all pass away from alcohol poisoning. It was ridiculous. But there were a few bits of info that we could dive into. Yeah, but look at first and foremost, those dead family members would have synergy, Michael, if they all died. <laughs> don't, anyway, I, no, I don't like that terrible. joke. I don't that's like terrible. it. That's a good joke, but I don't like it because of how it was used. <laughs> I said the word again. I'm not supposed <laughs> to say the word. Um, so here's a couple breadcrumbs that Zaslav did let us in on in the shareholders meeting. The official rollout of the new app would start in the U.S. and likely begin in the summer of 2023. There would be a grace or grandfather period for current subscribers, particularly of those who are currently only subscribed for the cheaper Discovery Plus service to entice them to keep their subscription once the rollout occurs. That makes sense. Mm. While HBO Max Discovery Plus would be combined into a single tech deck, a prototype of the new streamer likely already exists within the WBD halls which will include levels of subscribing akin to what Hulu offers currently, premium pricing, lower tier pricing, and then a completely free ad-supported tier. Oh, wow. It'll also combine the features of HBO Max with the Discovery Plus performance while losing the negatives of both apps, which is way easier said than done, I would imagine. I'm not an electrical engineer, but he seemed (laughs) to be pretty sure about that. Okay. But, and again, you can infer this from what he said, if not outright directly, Direct-to-consumer streaming would be far less a priority for WBD as it goes from an entity seemingly poised to try and compete with Netflix to one which focuses on streaming revenue as a part of a greater company-wide revenue-producing whole. Wow, so a completely free version of one of these uh, of this of this overall app is which he's brought up I think three times in the shareholders' uh, notes because. You've always had a premium property in HBO, and HBO is still going to be a pillar of whatever this service is, correct? So if you have a completely free version, is that with HBO? Because if it is, now you're expanding the viewership of HBO you know, exponentially again, and you're basically going to have all the Euphoria kids canoodling on the floor of a bedroom <laughs> for like... 20 seconds and then four minutes of commercials then 20 more seconds of canoodling yeah four minutes of commercials. the irony there is that at that point it is tv (laughs) right it's not hbo it's just not television no but it is tv it's hbo turning it you're turning it into television ads and commercials for them i mean f boy island plus is going to be (laughs) something <laughs> the F Boy Island U- cinematic universe is what we all need. That'll save this whole. All right, so let's let's comment and talk about and pull some quotes directly from the man himself. Uh, the shareholders meeting took place. I believe it was the fourth of August. It provides some insight into exactly how Zaslav feels regarding DC and HBO and the streaming service and the streaming industry in ge- in general. So let's talk about first. Uh, Mike's going to tell you some quotes, and I'll translate them into what he's tra- actually saying here. This is on how Zaslov sees WBD being towards streaming in general. Our objective was not only to be one of the top global streaming companies, but also a media company able to drive financial returns by distributing our content on every platform, and our conviction has not changed. As I said in our presentation, we see ourselves as essentially the fifth broadcast network due to our unparalleled portfolio and our low to mid-team CPM increases or nearly $6 billion in commitments clearly demonstrate 
demonstrates that advertise us now view us exactly the same way. All right. So a translation, my regime will continue to pour money into advertising what's on our streamer. Just don't expect that to be the end all of WBD's future. We feel there's more money to be made in being the content creation house and licensing brand, which Warner Brothers has been for over a century already. And on a side note, but certainly related to the traditional revenue streams here for WB, they've also made a move on the distribution end, and they have acquired the international distribution rights to MGM, including the James Bond franchise, after Bond 26. So with Bond 27, this will start with the Broccoli family, but it will start as soon as Bones and All in November, and it will continue uh, a relationship between MGM and WB for international distribution rights through Creed 3, which was now moved to March. So that's a big move uh, in terms of overseas distribution. That's also something that speaks right to what Zaslav hinted at a bunch. I mean, licensing, you know, licensing, 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 licensing. It's going to be a huge part of WB's future under David Zaslav. That this MGM move makes sense. Uh, talking about how he sees himself in terms of being the fifth broadcast network with regards to that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think there's also some of that in how to best maximize revenue for WBD and maximize brand value with a quote from him that uh, talks about that. Yeah, we believe the best way to maximize the value of our company is by operating our businesses as a combined enterprise rather than as a series of separate siloed and unconnected business units. HBO, Warner Brothers Pictures, Warner Brothers Television, CNN, and our networks, sports, we are stronger together uh, and we will make meaningful progress in operating our businesses as one team. So... Our three strategic priorities are to create the most compelling and diverse content offering in the world, maximize its reach, engage and value through a broad distribution and monetization strategy, and operate as one company with one mission, to be the premier media and entertainment leader globally. Which means also, I mean, yeah, we're going to make this stuff, but you may not, it may not just be confined to just our network. Uh, Gene Briac Perrette, who is kind of known as Zaslov's henchman, <laughs> who apparently has been going around. I think Matt Be- Bellany has come out and said that uh, Perrette was the guy who was doing all the uh, the cutting and telling people they were let go. But anyway, he had this to say on top of it. Yeah, however, in recent years, a strategy has emerged that suggests the video business will be better off collapsing all windows into streaming, overpaying for and over-investing in content and offering it all at the same time for a low price. We do not believe in this strategy. While we intend for streaming to be a critical part of our company and a key driver of our growth as consumers continue to shift their viewing habits from linear to non-linear, linear, it's only one part of our diversified approach. All right, so translation, seriously. We're far from done with traditional media as we know it, and this race to the home box office with Netflix isn't a top priority for us anymore. HBO Discovery Plus will be where you go to find your favorite series and shows, but as for its role with our movies, if you love them in theaters, eventually you'll be able to rewatch them on HBO Max. We aren't rolling out our version of The Irishman anytime soon, and if you want another Dune at home on HBO Max ever again, you're gonna have to wait until well after it's released on PVOD. The killing of Batgirl is probably more Zaslav putting this aspect into cement more than having anything to do with taxes or write-offs or the DCEU 2.0. I don't think they want to put high... I mean, I know they don't want to put high-money, high-production films on HBO Max direct-to-streaming anymore. Yeah, it's, it's a shame because 
you could still just release it on streaming and I know the the reasons are muddied or the the analytics are muddied but I'm sure Batgirl would add value to the streaming service. Of course it would. However, they're making a stand for per, per, for reasons of perception and that is that is the most aggravating piece of this because they are posturing very clearly here to say that we're not, and they're very clear, and they're stating it explicitly, we're not releasing movies on the streaming service to drive subscriptions and to for business reasons. It doesn't work, even though they have a whole, you know, humongous, colossal media conglomerate in the making over at Netflix to prove them other, otherwise. People will watch new movies at home, period, end of story, mm-hmm. and they will spend a lot of money doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does work. There is a model for that working, even though, yes, of course, we want movies in theaters as as Oscar pundits and as guys who love going to the to the movie theaters. But we have Batgirl being shelved, not being put anywhere, and we have a bunch of movies uh, in the same boat uh, in this whole press release. And it's and it's a damn shame because they cannot rationalize putting a movie that was ninety million dollars budgeted in theaters. Because they thought, based on a couple test screenings, that it wasn't, you know, a theatrical movie event. Yeah, I think I think that's all fluff. I mean, I, I think Batgirl is is David Zasloff making an example out of something. We're not going to put right. this on HBO Max. We're not going to release yeah. it in theaters. We're, you're, nobody's going to see it, and this is why. It's too expensive for HBO Max, and this isn't what we want to do with the future anymore. And I'm not going to put out a property in theaters unless I think it's good and ready. And he talked about how he's not going to put out movies just to hit a deadline or hit a quota. or He's not going to rush things if they're not finished. So he's basically taking a stand on Batgirl just to make an example out of it. And it's a $90 million example. And you're doing that for what reason? I mean, you're not just racist. Right. I mean, hopefully. Right. Jesus. <laughs> so he's not it's not that it's it's the though, hell he wants. It's it's the most convenient well, hell to die on to make his point. But he's making his point for who he's making it for investors and prospective investors. If we're cutting these costs here, you're going to know that we're a disciplined company and we're, we're never going to chase good money after bad. And therefore, you can have confidence investing in us in the future because we're only going to do what works, or at least what we think is going to work to the best of our ability. We're not just we're not going to quote unquote, take away from our brands anymore, especially in the DC. So they're making the, the loudest statement in regards to DC, so that they can hopefully build DC up like Marvel at some point. Ten-year plan. It's going to be a great, 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 great plan. Awesome plan. <laughs> Phenomenal plan. It's the best plan. Uh, the and best you make a great plan. segue there because that's what we're talking about next on exactly where they plan on looking in order to find the infamously reported $3 billion in cuts and savings this regime, the Zaslav regime, is after with WBD. Yeah, Gunnar Wiedenfels, he says key men- measures include, number one, the shutdown of CNN Plus, number two, restructuring the scripted content portfolio on the linear net, uh, kids and animation, direct to HBO Max films, as well as the international local content not sufficiently supported by ro- robust enough investment cases. Number three, a more balanced approach to external licensing as we embrace a more holistic content monetization model for Warner Brothers Discover globally, uh, and then generating significant revenue upside while protecting key strategic franchises such as Friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> Big Bang Theory, 
Mm-hmm. Just, just cutting edge series <laughs> in the zeitgeist right now. Game of Thrones, etc. Number four, implementing an HBO Max distribution strategy aimed at wide availability as opposed to D2C only distribution. As well as number five, greater accountability, alignment, and communication across businesses. Yeah, so we're not going direct to consumer anymore with our with our streamers. You're going to get the what's left over from HBO HBO programming and from our movies when we're done squeezing all the money we can out of them. Or in other words, the translation for all of this: please buy and license your shows from us because we just mm. want to make stuff and retain the syndication rights on them after they're popular. I mean. We're the ones who made Ted Lasso, you know. We own that. Don't you want your own Ted Lasso? Who doesn't want a Ted Lasso? Here, take this show. It could be your own Ted Lasso, and then we'll get money from it, and then we can go back to not giving a shit about creating streaming-exclusive content for our own network. Come on! Please! Ted Lasso is a good show, Of though. course it is. They it's a great that. show. But that's, Maybe I'm softening. That's... that's <laughs> You know what? I've changed my I mind like on Batman. this entire thing. I like Batman. I like Ted Lasso. <laughs> but that's Yay. that's kind of the whole ball game here is that they want to be a licensing mm-hmm. they want to be a content creation company and they want to make money every which way. They want to treat streaming like YouTube essentially. They just want you to watch it because it's there and they just want to get the money from you watching it. They don't want to entice you to watch it necessarily. Well, I mean, I, they do want to do everything still, but they're they're again, they're backpedaling towards what they know works. And what he knows he's good at, and he's certainly cutting the the unknowns and and where they haven't had success. So I, I get I get it in one sense, and I understand all the blustering because that's kind of what you have to do. And God, Godspeed to you, Mike One, and your brain reading anything because you had to read through this whole thing. I listened to this call and I wanted to just uh, drink. <laughs> And and you and you not only listened to this call, but you broke it down. Those were kind of the biggest quotes that I could find. I thought were most important in enlightening how Zasloff and the executive team there saw HBO Max and saw DC going forward. Just a couple other things to highlight quickly, just to prove uh, how Zaslov views HBO. He says that HBO Max has always stood for something, which was a very high quality, premium scripted, in particular drama series. That's how he sees HBO as a drama television network. Uh, Mm. He thinks that HBO Max Originals remain the unequivocal home with the best premium television, and it remains the centerpiece of our combined streaming platform, given the quality that's coming out of Casey, who just got a uh, contract extension, I believe, and that team. We're going to spend significantly more on the HBO Max product in other areas. We will spend less because we are not finding an effective return. In the aggregate, we're going to spend more money on content. We are a content company. That's our product. That's what we do. So again, we're going to make this stuff. We don't care necessarily who plays it. You might find find some of it on our things, but we're going to make high-quality content that's available for others. Zaslav went on to compare uh, streaming to clicks in the 90s, which I think is such an antiquated way of looking at it, but okay. Uh, He says, it was a decision to say, with the streaming boom, why have them pay a lot? Let's just collapse everything in and spend, 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 and then change very little. And I think that was supported by this idea like clicks in the 90s that subs were going to be this great currency. We effectively have four, five, or six cash registers. If there is a cash register where a consumer can come in and either watch or pay for a piece of content, we have every platform in the ecosystem. And in a world where things are changing and there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of disruption 
That's, to me, that's a lot more stable and a lot better than having one cash register. That's huge. Streaming is going to be one of many cash registers. Licensing is going to be one of many cash registers. Yeah, that's how you operate a company, obviously. But this is him saying the emphasis is not on streaming anymore, lest you thought it was for the first you know, hour and five minutes of this podcast or whatever we've been talking about. <laughs> HBO is, is out of the worrying about streaming game. Yeah, and it makes some sense. Obviously, the valuations have gone way down. I think, in many ways, because the innovations, as you've always talked about, Mike, to you know, kind of meld our two minds on this issue, the innovations have not come, and we have not gotten like an Apple TV or an Amazon Fire Stick to essentially bundle all the streamers together again as matt bellany has said as we've said for four years like this hasn't happened yet they haven't figured out a way to do the all in company all encompassing on-demand bundle all encompassing streaming bundle yet and since that's not there people are gonna be cutting costs yeah, they know just that in a cable. post-pandemic world they, i mean they've they've literally just remade cable Right. I mean, if you have all these streaming services, you're paying over one hundred dollars a month anyway. So that's the thing. Like this is going back towards the traditional models because the the new models have ceilings. They're hitting a ceiling and we understand that. But just because they're hitting a ceiling and it's a, a very high ceiling doesn't mean it hasn't worked. It just means that there there is a certain ceiling right now because there's the consumers are confused consumers have cable and they still have and they also have streaming and what the hell are they spending all this money on so somebody's got to bring it all together and give people options and you know wb until then they're just going to remain versatile it seems well like you said that's kind of the the hinting at the first question we have questions that we want to address before we get out of here as a result of everything that's happened and that zasloff has shown and said to us here the first question is is david zasloff the right guy for this job i don't think he's a dumb man by any means but i think this was a bad presentation talking about the shareholders meeting he basically went on to fillet himself in hbo and warner brothers for 90 minutes all premised around the fact that you know the 2005 business model and approach to television is how we can run things in 2022 it's a weird move and i get every big streamer is worried currently due to netflix's subscriber decrease and stock plummet but in the three months since that plummet Netflix's stock has also regained more than 50% of its loss. It's still down money. It's still losing money. And we are at this inflection point with streaming like you just talked about, Mike. But I'm curious, like you see, we're not saying Zaslav's ignorant because we understand his, the, the, what he sees. We understand he sees streaming as kind of this end game. So do you think his approach is the right one? And if not, what do you want his approach to be? I just get rattled by the industry reactions because some mainstream podcasts from some mainstream outlets that I listen to have been talking about this as something that has inspired confidence. And I think that is in a time of uncertainty. I think that means in a time of uncertainty, you go back with what works and we're seeing trends back to what has worked. We're seeing Top Gun Maverick, you know, reinvoke the three window model and certainly reinvoke the you know stay in theaters as long as you can and make as much money as possible in theaters model and that's and that's a good thing that's fine but that doesn't necessarily mean all movies should play that model right i mean we've we've gone over this a right. hundred times so i am 
I am rattled by this circling of the wagons. And I think it is preaching to a choir of people that are very nervous about the future. And they're basically going to say, all right, here, this is what I do well. We're going to only put good money into things that we know work until we figure out something else that does work. And we're going to be vague about it. And you could, you could rest assured that we're going to do what we do best. Right. And we're not going to branch out and just splurge money onto content that might work or might not work for our streaming. I mean, he literally is speaking to investors, which is a point you've made. So yes, he, he, the idea that he's only speaking positively, uh, that's what every yeah. shareholder meeting is. That's what they do. Right. That's what they do. And I understand that. But has it worked, though, yet? Do you know? The last I looked, the stock price was still going down. But did it slow? Or I, I don't remember. But it's talking it about WB like stock price or Netflix's? Yeah, WB Discoveries. Uh, WB it, it's, Discoveries. it's been up a little bit. Not that I okay. purchased some after the shareholder meeting or anything. So it did go up. Because, yeah, I was looking at it. Hasn't stock been, it I mean, it's not a lot. It's been up like, like you know. 30 cents on a day or I think it went up a dollar one day or something like that. But like, it's not, it's been fluctuating, but it's still down. Look, and that's a point that was made too. Like, uh, I have it here somewhere. I, I, I got to get to it, but mm-hmm. Warner's AT&T bought Warner's for $107 a share, right? Uh, this is, this is from Matt, Matt, Matt Bellany, actually journalist as journalist, Claire Atkinson pointed out, quote, in 2016, AT&T agreed to acquire time Warner for $107 per share. Now WBD has a share price of $14 and 59 cents. It's a huge yeah. drop. And obviously COVID and presidency change. I mean, there's a billion things that are attributed to the stock market, not necessarily having to do with WBD or the way it was run by itself. Yeah. But nonetheless, I mean, there's, there is a, mon- a financial aspect at the heart of this that's obviously most concerning, and I think that's even reflected by the way they talk about their most cherished brands, the Big Bang Theory, and uh, what the hell else did they talk about? Friends. I mean, these are the some of the shows that had some of the biggest series finales viewing audiences of all time. Yeah, the, they're reminding us of what they've you know broke the zeitgeist with, and that they've made billions of dollars with mm-hmm. until now. They're reminding us of that. It's, it's it's just a way to get those, you know, brands in in the conversation. So it doesn't really make sense. They're just stretching, but it's frustrating because they also have this whole, you know, perception of HBO Max and Discovery Plus in terms of you know like gender profiles. Oh my god! And that's where we're going next. I mean, you, you know, it's one thing to be overly positive in a shareholder meeting. It's another thing to be completely misogynistic. And rightfully, I think David Zaslav and company got kind of raked across the coals with these two slides in particular from their shareholders, meaning slide 11 and slide 12. They broke down HBO Max and Discovery Plus and the unique and complementary aspects of both. And here was the list for each HBO Max male skew scripted lean in appointment viewing home of fandoms discovery plus female skew unscripted lean back comfort viewing home of genre dumps. Got killed for that. And I saw a lot of, oh, my little female brain can't comprehend what's going on at the Sopranos. People speaking yeah. tongue in. I mean, that's objectively hilarious and a way to make fun of this. But <laughs> if you're going to say, you know, HBO Max has a higher male audience, there's no better time to present those numbers than at a shareholder meeting rather than just saying it's male skewed. Look, it, we've given... <laughs> We've given the uh, the trades some hell. We've given film journalists some hell and Hollywood journalists some hell in the past. We've been hard on them because we want to think a lot of them, and we don't have all of them on our show. We've only had a few that we really admire. But I will give them some credit here. When this 
sales call happened, they called out a lot of the BS immediately yeah. with boom, Batgirl article here. They filtered through all the BS and they said, wow, look at this nonsense everybody get mad about it they understood and here you have a lot of our friends now like amanda at swell entertainment like the minorities at report film podcast that that see something like this in a slide and immediately crush it because it's just you're simplifying something to hopefully again to inspire confidence and again again you, you you're putting your foot in your mouth completely while doing it and it's just again it's frustrating that they're botching some of the pr here it's just so obvious it's such a bad look and they do i mean the bottom line which i guess in a shareholder meeting you can't be as critical of because the bottom line is what's most important but they make no bones about it i mean there was slide 12 talked about the the hbo max discovery plus as a global powerhouse and they focused on their brands and their franchises the franchises and the iconic series and characters i mean it's it's the franchises they list Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. Okay, that makes sense. Number four is Discovery Shark Week. Number five is Game of Thrones. Six is 90 Day Fiance and then Harry Potter. No mention of Sopranos. No mention of, uh, you know, The Wire, anything having to do with any HBO property other than Game of Thrones. Iconic series and characters. They mention Friends. Then Fixer Upper. <laughs> Then the Big Bang Theory, then Property Brothers, then Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, then Sex in the City. Again, no mention of uh, anything having to do with HBO. Curb Your Enthusiasm is not there. That's something that's well, still on Sex TV. Sex in the City, but yeah. Sex in, yeah, yeah. Sex in the City is the lone HBO property uh, that they listed. So it's, they care, you know, those are the, again, the money-making properties. Those are the things that they were able to put on syndication. Those are the things they were able to milk the most advertising out of, whether it has to do licensing them out to cable or having them be played over and over again on their, on their own uh, streaming services as is. I get and that. And they're the whitest thing they can Right. That's they the, can that's the point. It's they're the a whitest. Little... <laughs> so all the white stuff. Right. You're... Like, again, it's the look. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You're not hiding the ball when you do this. You know what I mean? Like, you... <laughs> it's like they're just going, oh, Jesus. It's like they're just, you know, preaching to a very specific base here. <laughs> and mean, wouldn't you list Looney Tunes, by the way? If you're going to talk about the biggest money-making... Pro- has anything made more money in animation and history than Looney Tunes, which they have? Uh, Space Jam, <laughs> A New Age, did not do well. Okay, great. Looney Tunes. Great. <laughs> Sorry, LeBron. Uh, so, okay, the presentation, not great. Do you have faith in David Zasloff? I don't know what to think of him at this point, moment in time. I don't know, because I like a lot of the stuff that's done well, Uh and I hate a lot of this posturing right now. Is this a necessary evil for stock price, for, for money reasons? I sure hope not. I sure hope not the world is still not in this place. But I just I despise all this stuff, which is why I'm just not behaving very well in this episode myself. I'm calling the guy well, you're do- names. You're and- doing you you are you're highlighting both sides of it. I think the, the as a fan you're frustrated, and as a pundit you're frustrated. But I'm you know someone who has a bit of a business background, you understand the financials of it too. So I don't think you're speaking as negatively as you think you are, which is kind of putting me in a spot where why I keep asking you like. You do see what Zaslav is talking about with regards to the ceiling on streaming, right? And you understand why they're backing out of HBO. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm trying to pinpoint you. If you were in this position, what would you be highlighting? I think that you can make, number one, you don't have to cut all the property. Like, the, the question I have, Mike, mm-hmm. is why do all this now? And I think a, a, a major answer in my brain is that he's doing this now 
so that he's he's getting all these financials wrapped up now so that later on he can show numbers that aren't tainted with what's happened here so like all the money losers he's getting off his future books so that he can just make money show earnings which is the big shift right now with hbo max and everything else or with with netflix etc they need earnings not just subs or whatever He's, wall street is demanding earnings yeah, he doesn't so when, he that's a great point made by you and just to reemphasize that he said he doesn't really care about the subscriber number he cares about getting back to the one billion dollars ebitda which is earnings before taxes and income and all that so he's bundling all this stuff that he doesn't think is going to make money in the future even though maybe it's good it's good business because it's bad business to cancel on all these talented filmmakers to cancel on all the talent it's terrible yeah, oh it's yeah. terrible talent uh, studio relations and they 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 they're eschewing all that and the PR disaster that it is because they're trying to get all this bad, what they think is bad money, off their future books, so that they can show earnings in the future, so they can get more people buying stock in the future. I think that's it has to be the bottom line. I agree. Right. I don't. I don't so disagree. That, yeah. So even, you know, so they're basically circling the wagons on what they know works. They think they know works, and they're going to show profits in the future so that they can. And even though they're probably still paying debts from the past, but they're going to show profits in the future so that they can gain stock price and gain value. Gain value. But what they know works. I, 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 I agree with most of your interpretation. The only thing I would say to them, if that is their line of thinking, what they know works has been based and comes from a world and historical precedent in a world where it, there wasn't streaming. Like this is this is quite literally a mid two thousands approach to premium cable TV. I think. Well, that's why we're we're wondering right now what his streaming answer is going to be because he's only hinting at it. Does mm-hmm. he really have a way to combine two vastly different former cable channels, a premium premium uh, ten dollar a month right uh, television? channel mm. it's not tv it's hbo though but it's it, it's a movie channel home box box office with discovery which is essentially ch- cheaply produced content but it's you know nature and and uh tourism and of course you know reality tv right i mean i, I don't have as good of an understanding well that's of uh, discovery. No, how do you combine those two i don't things? know they, i don't know that you would have a a shared audience between the two i mean so if you're not, so he's saying he's going to combine them, and he so has talked about how. crossover uh, marketing between them, like how you could have a, uh, you know, a, a Food Network personality showing up in an HBO drama or something like that, which I, you know, makes sense. But it doesn't it doesn't make sense? Like eight, like this HBO Discovery combo is going to be for free for an ad tier, and and look at he's done as good as anybody on making his Discovery Plus ads uh, tier very profitable, mm-hmm. I, I believe. So he's good at that. Again, he's coming from the TV side of things. He's good at that. So it makes some sense that you're going to go in that direction. They just haven't done it with HBO. I mean, HBO has never had ads, ever. I mean, they've had some product placement, I'm sure, right. but they've never sold ads. So that's that's a – and when you do that, you're obviously catering to a – broader base you would think and hbo has been very left-leaning i would say up till now think about the (laughs) outrage when netflix 
said they were going to flirt with having commercials and ads, you know? They're going <sighs> to. They're going to. All right. Interesting stuff. We'll move on with more questions. Uh, what's going on with Michael Keaton? The, the death of Batgirl alongside the surprise reprisal of Batfleck in Aquaman likely signals a far diminished, if not outright erasing, of Keaton's involvement with the DCEU, though as of this moment he's still on board for an appearance in the Flash movie, assuming that movie actually goes forward. He was supposed to have a scene in the new Aquaman 2 that confused test audiences, supposedly, and then probably not so coincidentally was rumored to be the scene that Ben Affleck was brought in for to reshoot, so he's probably not going to be in that is Keaton Batman? Is Keaton's Bruce Wayne going to be around at all? I, I miss him. I want to see him. I do too. That was a that was a bummer, uh, and definitely an aspect of this that is is aggravating for for us as Michael Keaton fans. And I kind of grew up with that movie for sure. So what are you going to do? But uh, I mean, my annoyance with this is nothing compared to the to the people that are upset. Over Leslie Grace mm-hmm. not getting her movie there. No, uh, it mean, just doesn't compare. I mean, uh, the, the white people problems with this is, oh, is frustrating. Yeah, but yeah. I, I wanted to make sure we kept this at the end too because I wanted you know banging the drum like you've said and done so religiously throughout this how they've treated the minority prop led properties versus and it does seem the more and more we talk about it that point I brought up where it seems like Blue Beetle oh we're not going to ask Blue Beetle like that seems like a quota fill which I despise. And I will it's, be patronizing. It's infuriating, and I, and look at I hope it. Uh, I hope it really works. So yeah. that's again, we wondered, we worried that it would be lip service years ago when we had all these initiatives, and this is just this is this has got to make a lot of good people very disappointed right now. So the fact that he hasn't replaced them with other properties is another frustrating aspect of this. Like when you take away and you just take away. That's supposed to inspire confidence in investors. That's just such a dark side of the business. Yeah. You know? Well, unfortunately, it's the side that makes the business go around, too. Um, another question. He's got a five-year plan. What is it? Don't die? I had to go over the top and quote Sid and Big Daddy here. <laughs> over the top of you. <laughs> just because I had to. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why? I mean, you, you remind me of my first grandson. You don't think things through. <laughs> I think maybe a surprise to most of our listeners that it took us this long to bring up Marvel and bring up this 10-year plan, but there's just not a lot of, you know, we've criticized it already, and there's not a lot of meat on this bone yet. Zaslav has it's given... It's a great plan. It's a wonderful yeah, plan. He's it's gone Trump plan. talking about, you know, when the Republicans had a great health care bill to replace Obamacare with, but he refused to ever show it the light of day because it didn't exist. He's given... Zaslav has given zero details about this stated 10-year plan on how DC is going to just copy Marvel. And excuse the Sean Bean, Lord of the Rings meme paraphrasing here, but one does not simply copy Kevin Feige or Marvel Studios or have the backing of Disney to do so. Right. It's... It doesn't make sense yet. Maybe it'll make sense in the future. We we tried our best to wrap our heads around it, and we... we as little as we do know, we still... We still stumbled over major plot holes that do not allow the coalescing of the quote-unquote at least two universes, I know we have more, in play at the time of this recording and, and, and what's in the slate. We, you cannot coalesce them, period. End of story. If you do a post credit scene where you're underwater after the end of Aquaman 2, after he's just saved the world and the oceans again, 
and you're underwater and like his he's on his throne and then Joaquin mm-hmm. Phoenix in full Joker regalia just walks up to him with no oxygen tank or anything. He's just somehow breathing underwater and just <laughs> shoots him in the face. <laughs> I will give a standing ovation in the theater. <laughs> I uh, I hope that doesn't happen because I don't want you to be happy in that instance because this meta joke is just gone. Again, it just spiraled into this weird, weird, <laughs> pathetic thing. And every DC movie with Joaquin Phoenix shooting someone. Yeah, it's just really, really <laughs> disgusting. So uh, this is the, this is the future that liberals want. That's that meme. No, this is the future of WB as it stands right now. This is what HBO mm. and HBO Max and HBO Max Discovery Plus is going to be. We won't see the new uh, application until sometime next summer, and it's going to start in the U.S. We'll be able to judge it for ourselves then. We don't exactly know what the future of it holds other than being an extension of HBO on demand, I would say, right? That's what we're guessing right now. And I I think to finally bring it back to like the WB Oscars slate, we don't know what this means in terms of their awards campaigns. Like, are they going to be pushing for Elvis as seriously as we would like them to push so. for Elvis? Yeah. Don't worry, darling. What does it mean... For that movie's Oscar chances. They look like they have the Lost King that could be involved. The Batman, Navalny, from earlier in the year. We, we like their slate. Even though it's not the most awardsiest slate in the world. We like their slate. We're excited to see Don't Worry. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm excited to see Don't Worry. Oh, I'm, exci- still. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what it is. Absolutely. I would love to see a, a Fifi movie starring Sally Hawkins. Who finds a Lost King with old people in Britain. Snobbish. What? What was it? A snobbish. Uh, you know, a bunch of people are trying to tell her academic community. You gonna go with that movie? You gonna go to that movie with me, Mike? You gonna come? Me and our moms. Stephen Fears or Frears? I forget how you say it. Yeah, the quarter three. The quarter three shareholders meeting is gonna be Zaslav talking about how they got eighteen dollars from that movie on a Tuesday matinee showing because two men showed up to it. Philomena was a big Oscars hit. We're going to spend $40 million to market The Lost King. You make a good point. It's definitely going to be something worth keeping an eye on to see at the end of the year where WB puts its eggs. I mean, Elvis deserves an Oscars push. It deserves marketing. It deserves a full-fledged FYC. I mean, we've seen Paramount totally like back away from Oscar campaigns and Oscar slates in a, in a couple of years leading up to this one, when they were having some problems and they were trying to figure out things with Paramount Plus, and we've seen them just like punt. We've seen Sony punt. We've seen studios punt in the past. Amazon punt. You know, we've been covering this for five years now. And we've seen stu- studios take their shots. Is this Warner Brothers? Are they going to back off, or maybe they only push Elvis uh, in the fall? I don't know, or in the winter. It is I interesting. Know. I mean, for a shareholders meeting that talked about every aspect of every industry they're in, they talked about TV, they talked about advertising, they talked about uh, debt, they talked about EBITDA, they talked about their video game compartment. Like, they didn't talk about awards at all, and obviously it goes to show you maybe where this is seen in terms of a money-making entity. I mean, to be fair, hmm. Harvey Weinstein was the guy who made the Oscars like a money 
making entity for a studio for the most part. I mean, at least in terms of how we think about the Oscars now in the 1990s, that was like his whole push was turning that turning the Oscars into its own marketing thing. Yeah, I mean, he was part of the apparatus, but you're right. I mean, he was the campaign guru, but he also did Dirty Pool with all the campaigns. Oh, did he? he? To Harvey? Dirty Pool? That doesn't sound like him. Just going to... (laughs) disgusting old folks homes yeah old folk back when half the academy was in an old folks home or something right just holding events there i mean look at you can do creative oscar campaigns like we've seen we've seen studios have to ante up and do all the big galas and stuff like netflix but we've also seen we've also seen creative campaigns i mean neon is, is a great example they've done some creative campaigns in terms of their marketing and fyc stuff well it also stands to reason that uh, you know an oscars campaign means more to a studio like neon than maybe it does to a conglomerate like wb and i just brought that up to say the awards industry was not something that was touched on whatsoever by either zasloff or any of his executives or anyone who uh, passed any questions for the q a portion I mean, they can also just send Austin Butler out everywhere, and he can just do his thing, and that, that'll be good enough. You know, Shake your that. hips, Austin. Shake your <laughs> hips. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Elvis is not going to be forgotten if they just send him and Baz out there, right? That's true. That's, good. that's a good point. Um, all right. Well, that's, that's that episode. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. <laughs> Only took... A billion hours of prep and uh, a week overdue, but that's that's Bravo. WTFWB. And as always, dear listener, what matters most to us are your thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns. We want to hear from you about everything you think is going on within the halls of WB right now. What do you feel about the new streaming service as it comes next year? What do you feel about the cancellation, the shelving of Batgirl and other properties? Do you think David Zaslav is the right guy for the job? Do you understand his vision, at least? Uh, let us know all that, as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything else we do here in the mmo empire you can as always leave us those on our social medias we are mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available wherever you do hear podcasts if you're listening to us on either the apple podcast or spotify app if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review if you appreciate what we do here uh that would mean the world to us thank you to all of you who have done so thus far michael Let's have some words of wisdom and what is coming next from us. Well, as Gandalf said to Saruman, it is wise not to uh, basically it's it's wise not to just read over, you know, quarterly calls of uh, major media conglomerates for too long and not uh, and not get just overwhelmed with the evils of such things. Mm Uh, like you have, for at least for more than six, seven days. I mean, it's almost like you got a bad videotape in a horror movie floating around <laughs> and you just keep watching it. And it's not going to do well for you if you keep, if you know, if you don't somehow, you know, trap the girl in the well at the end of this thing. <laughs> no, that's wise. I think that's wise enough to say, like, you, you need to move on. So you need to move on to an Oscar race checkpoint yeah. where we could just talk about the film festivals, New York and TIFF. A lot of news from those. I guess we'll talk about the Golden Globes yeah. coming back to NBC. Yeah, we got to catch NBC. up on that story, they really but stake your claim there. Yeah, we got that, and we got some fun stuff planned uh, for the Oscars series that started and hasn't continued. The summer Oscar series that we got to get back to. I know we've been talking to some friends about some episodes, some Oscars betting stuff, and certainly 
uh, you and I want to, you know, weigh in on our predictions at some point. Maybe that'll be the fall Oscar series. So the Oscars, the summer Oscar series may only be two episodes, <laughs> and then the fall Oscar series will start up immediately afterwards. <laughs> we should leave. Another... We should leave the summer Oscar series on a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> Just one episode. <laughs> no, we want to do a, do a second. To be continued. <laughs> is is a two parter a series? Yeah, why not? We've done worse. It's not like a. You don't have to have three to be a series. I know we did a make mini series. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're excited about doing the next episode in the summer Oscar series, and we'll do that for you guys as soon as we can. This document was twenty three pages. Nonsense. <laughs> Clearly, and we went off the rails how many times? I went off script, screwing you up how many times in this episode just to call people names. <laughs> At least they're bit. I'm punching up, but still, we're not going to get any screeners. <laughs> we don't even ask, but we're just not going to get them, especially from them. Yes. Don't blame you. <laughs> when reality sucks, you can come lose your mind with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya.